to go back there sometimes just to have that liberty again. Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you. You're singing nice. I'll tell you what, just to sit in here a little bit and hear the singing and watch everybody, I'll tell you what, that does something for you. It, it's, it cools the nerves. It calms the nerves. And it, it just said, this is what the world's really about, not what's out there, what's in here. God bless you. Just may have your seats for a moment. I just wanted to report, nice to have you back, Brother Max. Brother Max was ministering on the weekend, and we're happy to have you back. God bless you. Uh, I just wanted to report for a moment that um, Brother Jason DeMars is doing much better. And prayer changes things. So we're happy to say that, that God has the victory. So um, we want to thank God for that. We also want to uh, remember tonight Sister Janet. She has, um, Janet O'Brien has an ocular migraine that's in the eye. She couldn't drive tonight, couldn't be here. It's not that it causes great pain, but she can't see. So we want to remember her. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. And uh, there's others here that are afflicted. There's others that are at home that are afflicted. But we know that's the enemy trying to prevent something. And we have to just take possession of the land that God has purchased for us. So we want to do that. I I just want to make mention uh, a little bit here. I think we're, we're all looking forward to the day when we can have full liberty and when we can sing and when we can... uh, be unhindered and un, un, you know, not restricted by guidelines and restrictions and all of that. I, I'll tell you what, I'm tired of it. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to throw my mask collection in the garbage. I'm ready to do all those things. But for now, we've got we've to be compliant. And I just want to just remind us. And you might say, well, I'm above that, Brother Ed. Okay, well, maybe you are but you also need to respect your brothers and sisters. And there are some that are doing, wearing a mask at sacrifice, but we also need to do that where we can. There's some that can't. We understand that. And, but if you can and you can show respect to your brother and sister, that's, that's good. And I, I would, would just encourage you to do that while we have to do it because I don't believe we're going to have to do this forever. And so until then, let's do our very best to, to be a blessing. Part of a Christian life is living for others. So let's live for your brother and sister, okay? The other thing I want to just say is uh, in, in that, and you know, I, I want to say this about COVID. It's a very divisive spirit. Number one, it, it causes us to be separate in distance. It causes us to be separate in worship. Some have to be at home. We can't all be in one roof. And then it would attempt to cause separation because of opinions and how we add it. There's, there's, there's a divisiveness over vaccines. But I'm going to say, don't let that come in here. Don't, don't divide your brother or your sister because they're of a different opinion. That, that doesn't belong in the house of God. You respect them. And it would be the same thing with masking. I'm just going to say it, that let's, let's do all we can Let's, let's respect one another. I know there's some here. Uh, I'm just going to say, Brother Harold, it's not easy for him, but he does it. 
the whole service. So I'm just saying that as a reminder. Uh, we're not going to go and, 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 and just pat you on the back, but we're going to just ask respect that if you can. Does that sound good this, this evening? Thank you. Now, uh, I also want to say we're not here just to check everybody. We're also here to worship God in spirit and truth. So don't be the one that's checking and looking at everybody. Remember why we're here. We're Christians. We're here to serve God, to worship God, to do these things. Is that all right? Let's stand together. Thank God I am free. Thank God I am free. God, I am free, free, free from this world of go to the Word tonight, the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you to all of you for being here and adding to this service. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll just start reading directly from verse 1. Now, when we read the book of Ephesians, I need to, you to look at it and say, this is me, these are my promises, this is my land. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. If we stop the reading there, this would be a very sad service. But thank God for verse 4. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So when Paul is speaking here, he goes all the way back to your earthly beginning, and he would say about how we used to live, but then how God intervened, and then how he's put us in a certain place, but now he's projecting something forward, that in the ages to come. So there's always something better ahead for us. For the world, this is the best they can have. For the believer, the best is yet to come. The rewards of what we're doing tonight are yet before us. So Paul would say, By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we've read your word. We've sang songs. It's good to be with our brothers and our sisters. Lord, we're so thankful for every one. Lord, we believe that this is the best people on the face of the earth. And we thank you for each one that's here. Would you, O oh Lord, come and minister to us tonight? Lord, we're here to sit at your feet and learn of you. We realize, O oh Lord, in the time we live, there's many things that are around us. But Lord, may you strengthen us. May you establish us. May you, O oh Lord, take us further down the path that we are walking. Lord, we have need of you. The minister, the elders all have need of you. Down to the weakest, the smallest one, we all have need of you. Come, Lord, give, as Job would say, let your words put strength in us. Lord, may you help us, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. And while we're doing that, we remember, Lord, our sister Janet O'Brien tonight, sitting at home. Lord, there's others that are at home tonight. There's others that are here that are needy tonight. But Lord, may you not pass one by. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And God bless you. you. May have your seats. I'll invite you also to turn over to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We will read just verses 1 to 3 here, 1 to 4. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And the Bible would say in another place, because you are sons, he has sent down his spirit. Because there was a seed in you, he sent down his spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He didn't give it to us the day we accepted him. We had it in us. That's why we could say, Abba, Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's just stop the reading there, and uh, I'll, I'm going to go to another scripture here in a moment in the book of John chapter 17. But if I can tonight, I want to take another part to the, the thought of the prevailing seed. And tonight, it's not so maybe so much on preaching. If we do, that's, that's fine. But I want to take some scriptures and want to just, um, just establish some truths that we need in our heart. It's not all about working up, get right. It's about also recognizing what God has done, is doing, and will do for us. So I want to speak tonight on a believer now expressing the before and the after. And I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now I'm going to take this a little bit from the thought where, where, where Jesus um, would, would be speaking as he's now coming to the close of his time on earth. But he's now, everything he's done... And now he's praying, but he's remembering us in his prayer. So in, verse, in, in John chapter 17, verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. What happened when Peter saw Jesus? He said, who do men say that I am? Well, some Jeremiah, but who do you say? Thou art the Christ. And we recognize it the same way. This message is not just about William Branham. This message is Jesus Christ in this day. And so we, we recognize that. He says, so they have believed that thou didst send me. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. When were we his? Before the foundation of the world. Because God wrote your name, that put something in you that you couldn't help but respond in the hour that you live in. And he says now in verse 9, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So there's a relationship between Jesus on earth and that heavenly spirit, but we also are identified in it. Now, some of my thoughts come out of uh, Hebrews, and, and I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 7. Ethan, you can get that ready. But I want to read something uh, Brother Branham would say, and who is this Melchizedek? He said, now the difference between him, Jesus, and you as a son or a daughter, he said, he was at the beginning the word, an en morphe body. 
So he said he came and he lived in the person of Melchizedek. Later, we don't hear of Melchizedek. So there was a manifestation of Christ in Melchizedek or eternal life in Melchizedek. And that's what appeared to Abraham. That's who appeared to him. And out of that, it infused or it breathed life into Abraham for the time he lived in. Now he would also say this. Now Melchizedek, we don't hear of him, he became Jesus Christ. Now you bypassed that. What did you bypass? Your theophany. Jesus came right from theophany to flesh. But we bypassed our theophany. That doesn't mean you don't have one. But you have one, but the difference is you bypassed it. So it's there, it's real, it's more real than, than, than you, we, th we can imagine it to be. Now we know the devil's real. I, I really, I had a couple people just say something. Brother John said the other day, and, and Brother John was just sharing. He says, you know, sometimes you're at work, you're doing things, and things come on you, and you're feeling down. And then after a while, you recognize that's the devil. And I thought, man, that was, that's profound. That happens to me all the time. And I said, I don't always recognize it right away, but that's the devil. So he's real. But so also is real. That something that comes on you and quickens you and, and causes you to sing a song and causes you to go to a scripture, causes you to remember something, that's also real. That's also ministering to you daily. It's there. It's real. Thank God it's there. Oh my, what if it wasn't? So, so he says, you came like Adam from the attribute to the flesh to be tempted, but when this life is finished, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, you have one waiting. Now, we can look back and see what we've done. We don't understand it. We have never become the word. We've just become the flesh man, not the word. But, and I'm, I'm just throwing a little bit here. I'll keep reinforcing it. Now look, to make it clear, you will never be the word unless you were a thought at the beginning. That proves the predestination of God. You can't be the word unless you're a thought. Oh my, and you say, and, then, and in your mind you might say, well, what if I wasn't a thought? Well, let me ask you, why did you come here tonight? What drew you tonight? What causes you to keep coming back even when you stumble? What causes you? That's that part of God that was always in you. It's there. Oh, thank God it's real. It's, it's what we, we hang on to. He says, so in order to stand temptation, you had to bypass the theophany. You had to come down here in flesh to be tempted by sin. All that the Father hath given to me, I'll raise him up at the last day. See, you had to be first. So if the Father, as Jesus was praying, he says, all that were thine, you've given to me. Oh, how we ought to thank God for that. Let's, let's uh, read now Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I, I'm going to just take this part of, of, of Jesus Christ. Um, we'll, we'll pick this up from, well, it, in to make the point, Paul is talking, and he's talking about the Levitical priesthood in verse 11. But he says there would be a priest rise after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 14. 
But it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Now, we took this couple Wednesdays back about the seed of Judah, about the natural seed, but there is a spiritual part of, of the seed of Judah. So let's, let's just take this. Verse 15, and it is yet far more evident that, evident that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I brought the part of the theophany. So there always was a part of you somewhere. And there, if you were a part of God, you, you're, if you were in his mind and in his thinking, you are as eternal as God is eternal. Now, you, you had to come through the flesh. You had to come through things. But if, if you know, and, and you might come and, and you, you know, God might have had in mind a certain thing. And we can make the road difficult for ourselves. We, we are the ones sometimes who cause the biggest trouble. Just because you're predestinated, it doesn't mean it's all going to go smooth. In fact, there's, there's many obstacles to it. So here he says, by the power of an endless life. So there was something that Jesus even connected back right from his beginning, not on earth, but before that, and he connected back beyond. That helped him in the middle of the road. So back up a couple of scriptures to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 6, And he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. You know, we think, wow, wouldn't that have been great? Like, you know, Melchizedek, he could just blow his breath, pop up and see Abraham, and, you know, pop up and see this. But there had to come a manifestation on earth. And remember, there was a book of life. And that was a book of life of, that God had. So there was a part of the book of life that was what God had in his mind. But after the perversion in the Garden of Eden, there was many names added to life. Not eternal life, but to life. Okay? And Brother Adam goes through that in Invisible Union. So it says now, here's this priest after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, he has... He's got something that came from way back. He was born immaculate. He wasn't born by the will of man or anything. He was, it was God coming on earth. There was a connection. But in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications and strong crying and tears with, with him that was able to save him from death was heard and that he feared. So even though he had that, there was a working out on earth. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it this way. In the end time, the power of the enemy is so great. There are times your head is spinning. You're in a, a whirlwind. You're like Jonah in the whale uh, or in the fish or whatever it was. You know, you're, you're in that place. You're, you don't know which is up, which is down. You don't know... But if there isn't something that you can hang your hat on, if there isn't something you can go back and say, 
Hold on a second. I never chose myself. God chose me. I didn't call myself. He called me. And he gave me these promises. I can't see how they're going to get fulfilled. But I have an anchor back there. And the promises have promised to take me over here. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm in the middle of all of this. So there's a need for the book to get open in the end. That we can see this and we can see that. And you might say, well, well, what good does this open book do me? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of times in the middle of it that I'm looking at the world and I'm going, wait a minute, that's moving. The devil's got me in this trial in my life and these little things. But I look and I go, look at how the world morals is moving. Look at how this is moving into place. I said, no, everything speaks of what we believe. Everything speaks of what's in my heart, of what he's made real. So he says, Jesus, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying. And it says in verse 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. Now, I can't imagine this. You know, it wasn't Jesus born perfect. Didn't he live a sinless life? Absolutely. But he lived in the flesh. And the flesh doesn't want to do the will of God. The flesh wants to please itself. The flesh has its own motives and its own agenda. Jesus was in all points tempted as we were. That means he also was bombarded in the mind. That means he also had voices whispering in his ear. That means he was also tempted to do things. But there was an aspect, there was a root of eternity that kept him. And, and he was going to, now we, we bypassed that. We, we didn't come the way God had intended in the beginning, but we bypassed it. But Jesus was going to take that part for us. He was going to go in the grave and he was going to send the Spirit back on that seed that we could also live with quickening power. So he says, and, and so he learned obedience by the things he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So I, oh my, we ought to thank God. You know, I, I, have you ever, I, I still can't get this picture out of my mind when Brother Ron spoke it and he says, here was Jesus before Pilate and, and, and here, here the mob is crying, crucify him. And he never had done anything wrong. They even brought false witnesses. No, don't you think Jesus could have discredited those witnesses? He could have absolutely discredited them. But he chose to be quiet. Because he had to take our place. He had to take our part. So he, he, even though he connected with eternity, he had to humble himself to the life that God had ordained for our, ourselves. I mean, he could have lived as a king in fineries, but, but he chose this way because he knew he had to come. Now, and, and we knew that we had to come. Let's, let's now, if I can, I'm just going to read a couple of things here just to sort of set the framework. Brother Branham would speak and say, I believe gifts and callings are without Repentance. It's not what you try to work yourself up to. It's what you're born to be. Now, now just, just think about this. 
Back in your making, you began in the germ of your life when you became germatized in your great-great-grandfather. That's the scripture. Levi paid tithes in the loin of Abraham. But your germ, your life, your soul begins in the creation of God in the beginning. Jesus told his disciples, I knew you before the foundation of the world. Therefore, he called us, he ordained us to be whatever you are, be it ministers, be it whatever it is, to the ordination, to the foreordination of God. He goes on to say, uh, I knew you before the foundation of the world. Before the world, he knew it. All things were ordained there. Jeremiah, when, when God speaks to him, he says, before you were ever formed, in your mother's womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Now what if I, and, I, I, and if you listen to Jeremiah, oh, woe is me, why did I have to be this, and why is that? But yet he says it was like a fire in my bones, I couldn't stop it. Oh, thank God it's there. I, I was a young man and I tried to run with all my heart. I, I always thought, Man, why did I, was I born in such a strange family? Other families, they have parties, they go this, they don't have to go to church on Sunday. That's the carnal man speaking. And I tried to fit in. And I went quite a ways down that road. But at a certain time, God says, and, 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 he, and he allowed it to come where it all ran out. And I had nowhere to go anymore. And at that point, he says, and I said, like, I go, what's wrong with everybody? What's this all about? Like, don't they... And I, and I would start to retreat, and I'd start to look, and what's this all? I'll tell you what, thank God that that was there. Amen. So he, he, will, he would also now say, now, we, there you are. We came from a higher being. In the beginning, we were in the image of God. The veil and the darkness keeps us from knowing it now. Jesus told his disciples he was with them before the foundation of the world. You don't know it now, but you were in the beginning. And he said, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, you have one in the beginning. So now, I, I want to take this, you know, the, the thought of the Hebrew mothers is, is, is an amazing thought. Now, we, we were reading a little bit out of Ephesians, and, and Brother Branham would say, Ephesians parallels Joshua, and Joshua, he, he was called uh, of God to place the people in the land. Redemption has a coming out, and it has a going in. So if you're redeemed, you come out of the world, but you've got to go into something. Don't be satisfied just to come out. I'll tell you what, in the middle ground, that's not a place to be. You want to keep pressing in. You want to keep moving forward. And I'll tell you what, if you don't want to do that, God lets the pressure of the world come closer and closer till finally you say, I don't want any of that. I want to keep going. And he says, God said exactly what I wanted you to do. Yeah, exactly. So, but the Hebrew mothers, when they, when they, they bore their children, you know, Leah and, and, and Rachel and the, and the concubines, you know, they, they would groan their names in prayer. The names were an identification out of the seed of Abraham through, through, through Isaac and Jacob. And, and they would groan. And, and in all of that, they groaned their name, and their name had a meaning that identified with their placing. 
And their placing was in a natural land. So right from their birth, there was something that they could go back to. You know, Jacob would pick it up in Genesis 49. He would talk to a measure in his sons naturally. And he would talk about some aspects of their natural being and their natural land. But then Moses picks it up in Deuteronomy 33. And he shows the inspiration. And he says, you know, Ephraim was this. And and Gad was this. And and, and, and Asher dipped his foot in in oil. and, and And it's speaks of their natural land. So their names reflected their end. And so if we, if we can see the same thing, our calling also reflects our end. Uh, we read this in, in, in Ephesians 2 verse 10 when it would say, you weren't just called to be scarcely saved. It would say, you were created, you are his workmanship, You're created in Jesus Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So it's not enough just to come out and say, well, I'm glad at the church, I'm just going to wait for the rapture. No, there's something for us to work with. There's something for us to do. And and I, I might spend some time with this a little bit, but nonetheless, it's real. So they're ending... Brother Branham would say, he chose them, his disciples, and they were an ordained seed of God. That's why when troubles came up and the people looked like they had Jesus Jesus in a corner and a question, they couldn't understand it, but they were determined to know nothing else but him. Thou only hast the word of eternal life. They were determined to stay with it because they were ordained to that office. Now, there's a part of your life, a lot of times we, we look at what the, everybody else in the church does and we think, i got to do that. There's influences and all those things. But really, nobody can tell you your place but the Lord. Others might recognize it, but nobody can tell you your place but God. And you continually need to be before God. And Brother Bram would say, you come out to a ranch, you come out to work. He said, you don't just go do this. You find out why you're there, what you have to do, and then you go to it. And I think we need to have a purpose to what we're doing. It's not just aimless, whatever happens. No, I've been ordained to something. I fit a place in the body. Let me find that place. Brother Manum would even talk about the difference between the wise and the foolish virgin. He said, the foolish virgin were a high quality of people. The wise were the elected. And Brother Man would say, a woman that lays out a pattern, uh, lays out a cloth, then there's a pattern in the middle. Everything that's in the pattern is predestinated to fit a dress or whatever it is. Now he says, that is like the, the wise virgin. The foolish ones are the ones out of the same pattern, but they haven't found their, their place. They haven't come to it. So, so before you think, well, I'm so much better, just thank God that he put you in the pattern. So he says, God places the pattern. There'll be an elect that'll go in the rapture, and there'll be a group of people that's good, upright, holy living, saved people that will not be in the rapture, and they'll come up in the second resurrection. If you're here tonight and something is pulling you, and something is calling you, you ought to be the happiest person on the face of the earth. 
You ought to be the happiest person on the face of the earth. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, these are so familiar, but they're among the richest words in the Bible. I I, I don't think you can find anything that, that quite compares to some of this. Let, let me just, let's just start by reading verse 1 rather here. So, in, in the first part of this, Paul, the, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by election of the people voting in the church. No. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, you figure, where do I fit and what do I do? And, and you know what? If God called you, nobody can put you out. And you might not quite know where you fit, but listen, nobody can take your place. God gave you that place. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this a little bit tonight and... and uh, and uh, brother and I were texting last night, and he said, I just was reading adoption. I said, say, so was I. <laughs> if, if you know the adoption message, it was preached in the beginning of May in 1960. It was a few services just before when Brother Branham had the vision of beyond the curtain of time. And he came back and he said, I could never be the same man. So now here... He's seeing what was on earth. He saw what was over there. And he said, and there was perfect love. And he says, whatever you do it, friends, don't miss it. He said, I could never be the same person. And then he starts preaching the adoption series. I think that's, that, that ought to tell us something. It's not intellectually learning a place. It's a real land. It's a, it's a truth. Now, I'm, I'm just... It's not a, a rallying around service. It's, it's, it's not, you know, me or like just, just screaming. This is about Bible truths. This will help you as you go down the road a little bit. So Paul, and, and Brother Brandon would say this, preaching is wonderful, but teaching goes beyond that. And kind of to the church, preaching catches the sinner, brings him under condemnation, but teaching places a man positionally where he is. And we need to know where we're standing. You, you can't just ride on the emotion of the last special meeting, or you can't ride on the emotion. You have to know what God has spoken about us, for us, and is doing for us, and keep your eyes on it. So, he'll also go on and say this, and he said in and he said, we're going to look, he says, in, at Paul's book of Ephesians. And he says, I, I want to parallel this to the Old Testament book of Joshua. And so he says, we're just going to approach this. And I, I, I listened to this. I went out for a walk a few weeks ago. And it was like, wow. I, I heard this years ago, but I, I've never heard it like this again. And I just felt somewhere we've got we've to pick this up a little bit. So now let, let me just take this because Brother Brandon will say this also. And he'll say, if you've got eternal life tonight, if we have eternal life, 
than we always were because there's only one part of one form of eternal life. We always were, and the reason we were because we are a part of God, and God is the only thing that is eternal. Now, I'm not saying this to mix up your doctrine, but to straighten it out so that we get away from the fear and the scare. You don't know who you are. You are not going to be, but now you are the sons of God. See, you always were the sons of God. And when God had you in his thinking, there had to be some part of you, your life that's in you now, it had to be with God before you were there. Brother Branham would say in a number of places, he said, when you dream a dream, and sometimes it's so vivid that years later it comes back to you, it says, there's some part of you, some subconscious that's still there in that place. He says, you didn't think of it, but it's there. Now, I'm asking you that question. Where is that part of you? It's somewhere. It's real. Well, not everybody dreams, but I'm just using that as an example. You, you, know, you don't go to sleep at night and say, okay, I'm going to dream a dream. Well, if you want to dream a dream, eat hot peppers, eat, eat sweet and sour soup, and, 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 and pour some, some uh, tequila on top of it or something like that. And I say, that, that would get you a dream probably. Not a very good one. But I'm just saying, you can't dream a dream. There's a part of you. So is your faith subconscious. What was in Abraham when, when, he, when he said, God said, move out of your land. Okay. I, it's just real. I got to do it. And he's trying to explain it to everybody. You can't explain it. There's a part of you. Now, so I'm, I'm, I'm just using this as, as a little bit of an example. Now, I, I want to just re read this also. And he, and he would say, now... The book of Ephesians places us positionally in Christ. What, what Joshua had, that was their holy land. We're not placed in a holy land, but we're placed in the Holy Ghost. Now, you can hear all of this intellectually. You can hear all of this, and we have heard it intellectually. We have said, yeah, healing is mine, and yeah, deliverance is mine, and yes, my family is mine, and yes, these things are mine. But when it's really made real to you, you don't just sit back and say, yeah, that's nice. You actually take steps to take it if, it's, if something comes against it. Now, if you have a title deed to your house, your mortgage is paid off, you have the title deed, and you come home and somebody's sitting in your couch eating food from your fridge and doing it at your table, what are you going to do? Are you just going to tell them, listen, I, I, can you just let us in for a little bit? We, we'd like to sleep here tonight and we'd like to brush our teeth. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, get out of here. And, and, if, and if, if he says no, what are you going to do? You're going to call the police. And the police are going to say, show us the title deed. I've got the title deed right here. And they will enforce it. So we don't enforce the devil. The Holy Ghost is the enforcer. But we have to act on it. We have to say, hold on. Healing is mine. I don't have to be bombarded by thoughts and things. Yes, birds can fly in the air. Yes, they may even have droppings on your car. Especially after you wash it. And, and they may even do those things. But they don't have to start pecking on your head and building a nest on your head. It's time to shoo off those things. Hold on a second. If I'm in Christ, this is mine. 
And we need to come to that revelation. Everything that they had in the book of Joshua, that was theirs. Everything that we have positionally in Christ, that is also ours. I'm not begging to get it. No, it was, it is mine. Lord willing, I'll, I'll take another part of this on the law of the testator. Because there, there's something, you've been given an inheritance. But that law doesn't come in effect until someone dies. Now, before you all start thinking, well, I have an elderly grandfather, you know, and I hope he, you know, I'd really like to get my inheritance. And don't, don't think you don't ever think that. So, you, you do. Somebody does naturally. I'm sure. But I'm just saying, there, Christ has died for us. And he's died that we may have the inheritance. What is our inheritance? Our name, first of all, is on the book. The title deed. It was placed there before the foundation of the world. So Christ died so we could come back to that. I'm, I'm not following my notes very good here. So, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So now he's addressing this to those that are a believer, those that are in Christ, those that have, have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. You're, you're in that, but you haven't come to it Paul is beginning to labor. He's beginning to teach. He's saying, you've come out of the world. You're not in the wilderness anymore. You, you're a Christian. You have a right to start moving forward. Don't, don't, don't stand back here and just wait. You know why? I think it was Joshua said in, in Joshua chapter 18, he says, why are you so slack to possess the land? There's still much land to be possessed. I don't think we should sit back and wait for it to come to us. I think we need to take a hold of it. So he's talking to those that are fully mature. You have a right to eat the manna. You, 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 you ate it in the old land, but now you're eating the old corn. You're not babies anymore. You don't need the, the sincere milk. You're not desiring the sincere milk. You don't have to be babied and patted and persuaded to come to church. You're mature. Preach it, Brother Ed. I came to church to hear the word. I didn't come and say, thank you for coming. And No, 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 no. Let's preach the word. And he says, you're ready to come where there's something deep and rich. And he says, something that's been hidden from the foundation of the world. And a few brothers just around the study of the, the word last night. And I'll tell you what, it was like, this is the greatest thing on the face of the earth when you catch it. We ought to be so thankful for where we stand in time, for what we have. And the enemy may, tries to make light of it. I think we need to get into the, the teeth of it and say, thank God it's mine. So let's, we're, we're, we're using this now. Let's just go to verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, the more we find out, it's grace, grace all the way along. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with a few spiritual blessings. Sorry, with all spiritual blessings. 
All that is mine is thine. <laughs> the peace that I have, that's your peace. The healing that I have, that's your healing. The, the, the riches that I have, they're your riches. You don't have to, you're, you're like Esther. You know, whatever you want, you can have the, the half of everything. We're equal partners in this. It isn't just, let me have my half and go and dwell over here in this corner and you dwell in that corner. No, it's together. We're partakers together of the blessings of God. Thank God that it's, it's there. He'll, he'll go on to say, Joshua is the Holy Spirit. Joshua means Jesus Savior. He's our great warder. He's our great leader. That's the Holy Spirit that moves upon us, that leads us, that directs us. Oh, I, I thank God for it. You know, you know the, big, the biggest thing sometimes is we, we forget what's called the birthright. As a virtue of the birth, you're not just burnt, but you've got rights that come with it. As a birth, you have a birthright. That, that's why it was so important in the Old Testament, you know, to, to have the birthright. You know, Esau made light of it, even though he was in the proper order. But he didn't care for it. But Jacob, that's all he desired. So that element of Jacob, of Abraham's seed, it, it, it desires the word of God. Why do some people just happy to sit in church and, you know, and, and just, just hear, hear a little bit and then just go off? I'll tell you what, I feel like sometimes if I didn't get my portion, I put on a tape or I, I do whatever I can. I, I want to hear more of God. I, I, I want what he wants for me. So it's, it's the birthright. You know, and, and, and so from your birth, now, now just think a, a little bit what God did when he moved on you. Brother Brown would say, God is rich in this mercy. Many of you can fellowship on this thought. When you were a little boy or a little girl, you would walk around, there'd be certain things that wouldn't bother the other kids, but yet there was something in you that cried out. There was a God somewhere, yet you were a sinner. What was that? That was that little form of life in you then. And after a while, you heard the gospel. You went to church. You picked out this. You went from denomination to denomination. But one day, you being a part of God, you had to be a part of the word. And when you heard the word, you knew you were where you came from. And you knew it was the truth. You were always, the seed was in you, always. The word seen, the word that was in you, that was before the foundation of the world, the saw the word and you came to it. Amen. Nothing could keep you back. I'm reminded of, I, I don't know what the scene was like, but, but when, when Noah had finished building the ark and, and you know God was going to call all the animals you know it, it must have been a scene to watch you know a, a flock of birds or to see a herd of cows or to see things and all of a sudden a few of them would just pick up their head and look around and all the other cows were just doing their thing and they'd start moving and they didn't know what it was but there was a call that led them to the ark. And, and, and some birds, you know, maybe they were out flying and all of a sudden a couple just veered off course and, and they went this way. What was that? That was the call of God that was in those animals. And if you pick up the seals book and Brother Branham says, what was that was in those animals? He said, oh, when those seals are open. You, you can't stop them. You can't stop the believer from coming to Christ. Friends, it, 
did. You says, no, it, this is my inheritance. I always was there. And I'm dirty and I'm filthy. Whatever I have to do, if I have to go in the tank. But I want that. There's a part of me in that. There's a part of me that always wanted that. Oh, he tried to fill it with all kinds of things. But oh, it's real. It's real. In the middle, you know, Brother Branham would make it so simple sometimes for us. He made it so simple that any child could hear it. And he talked about the story of the eagle in the chicken yard. And the eagle was trying his best. You know, every once in a while, he may have just come close to a chicken and thought, hmm, that chicken looks good. <laughs> but I'm a chicken. <laughs> Listen. Eagles eat chickens. <laughs> Don't try and be like them. <laughs> but it was trying their best and pecking and doing this and not quite satisfied. And, and Brother Brown says, maybe you can identify with this. And I, I go, yeah, I can identify this. I can identify with this. I absolutely, and you know, and then, you know, trying his best, you know, it looked a little strange from the others as it grew up, but one day, the voice, the voice of Mother Eagle flying over, you know, everybody else kept their heads down, but the one who had identification looked up, and that's me, I, 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 there's some part of me in that, I don't know how I'll get there, but I know there's some part of me in that. I say, follow that even today. And Brother Adam tells that story and people are filing out of the church and they're complaining. And What are you complaining about? He called me a chicken. <laughs> well, <laughs> identification, right? Identification. Where are we at here? Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, in heavenly places in Christ. So Brother Manum would talk a little bit about this, and, and, and I, I'm just going to read a little something that he says here, and I think it's, it's wonderful sometimes. He says, you have a right to the same blessings that Miriam had when she danced on the bank. You have a right to the same blessings that Paul did when he was in the middle of, of an ocean and waterlogged boat and in the middle of it and didn't know which way was up and down, but he could look up and God was there for him. You know, I've always marveled at the story of, of Paul on the road to Rome. Because an angel told him, Paul, you must be in Rome. So now if you know that you must be in Rome, you know that God called you as a messenger to the Gentiles. Now look at all the things that Paul encountered. He encountered angry Jews. He encountered those that wanted to kill him. He encountered, as he went along the way, prison in, with, with, under Festus and Agrippa for two years. He, he encountered uh, a shipwreck. You know, he's, he's, out, he's out ready to go on a trip. And, and he catches the thing, and, 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 and they, he's, he's now with this man who's going to take him all the way to Rome. And he told him, he says, you know, it's not a good idea to leave here. He said, what's wrong? The weather's nice. He says, yeah, but I, I, I perceive that this voyage is going to have a lot of trouble. Possibly loss of life. So what's your occupation? I'm a tent maker. <laughs> That's just what I thought. And what do you know about sailing? Uh, not a lot. Okay, we're going sailing. 
Well, it wasn't too long, and a storm came up, and in the middle of the storm, they're throwing out the cargo, they're throwing out this, they're fearing for their lives, and everything's lost, and Paul is down in the middle, praying unto God, and he comes up, and he says, an angel of the Lord appeared to me. I've got to get to Rome. And he said, you know what, Paul? I'm going to give you everybody that's with you. I think, you know, Paul had his eyes fixed on the end destination. We need to see the end destination. We need to see God set me on this journey. He's going to get me to the end. He got Paul through all of these things. He's going to get me through all of these things. When you're in the middle, it's the beginning and it's the end that you look at. God said it. I think it ought to hold true for us. How are we going to get through this? Through all kinds of regulations and ups and downs and, and, and sicknesses and different things. I don't know. But she'll be there. The church will be there. We got all this in the camp, this in the camp. But the Bible said she'll be without spot, without wrinkle. The bride will be there. Let's keep our eyes on he who started a good work and he who will finish the good work. You might meet a lot of troubles and tribulations along the way. Listen to what Brother Branham says in Victory Day. It seems like the Christian life, if the fellow is not absolutely centered on Christ, the Christian life, it seems like, holds so many disappointments. That's true. But those disappointments are God's divine will happening for us. Now it doesn't seem like it should be that or would be that, but it's God's way of doing things. He lets us hit the river to see what we'll do. There's times, you know, we, we so often... You know, we, we, we can look at the Bible and we can see Peter and we can all look at Peter. Yeah, Peter, Peter. Okay, hold on a second. Let's reverse it for a minute. What if you were living then and they were writing about you? And really, our story is no different than some of them. Peter met some discouragement. He denied the Lord. He did this and he did this and he did that. And, and, and he says, that's it. I'm done. I'm going fishing. How many of us have done the same thing? Had a good search at church service. Something hits us. We get all flustered. That's it. I'm going shopping. Whatever you do. It might not be fishing. It might be shopping. Ah, forget it. I'm just going to go back and put on YouTube. That's us. Something to take my mind off the trouble. But sometimes God allows that to happen time and time and time again. And, and until we come and say, like, like Brother Brandon would say, Somebody came and they pulled a fast one on him and he, he's signing something off and, and, and the brothers are saying, you know, they, they just pulled a shady one in you. He says, how, how could you let them do that? He said, it's just a little trial predestinated before the foundation of the earth. <laughs> and we get upset because somebody takes our place in the coffee lineup. There's times you need a coffee bad, I know that. But I'll tell you what, we need to just say thank God for everything that comes our way. Lord, I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know how it will be. But Lord, I know you promised it would be there. If you ever, I'm not going to bring this into the equation, but if you ever read the story or the account of Brother Branham, he had a vision that he would see, he he would 
get a certain type of caribou, certain color, certain everything, and just after that he would shoot a grizzly bear. So here he goes on the hunt, he tells the vision to everybody, and as he tells the vision to everybody, you know, the first thing is the season guide, Brother Bud Southwick, and he says, Brother Branham, I've, I, I've never seen that color. There's a few on the other side of the mountain that's there, and he says, and he says maybe they're over there, and sure enough, there they were. Now, he, Brother Branham had to keep his faith in the vision. Because the vision was never wrong. And he had to keep his faith no matter what those around him said, no matter what, what differences happened around him, what person did this. He said, now somebody here has got a green checkered shirt. Who's got it? He said, no, I don't got it. Nobody got it. Hmm. And, and already he had every reason to start doubting. But he kept moving forward. And you might have a reason to say, I never expected this would happen in my life. I never expected that. Keep moving forward. If God said so, it'll be there. You don't know how long it'll take. Sometimes, you know, it was Simeon who God spoke a certain thing personally. And he said, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And Simeon, he's getting old, and everybody might be joking. Hey, hey, Simeon, how's the Messiah coming along there? You know, you're, you're like, you're, you're almost hitting. I'm not going to say an age because somebody will be in that age bracket. And, but you know, he, he did that, you know, and, and, and finally one day he wakes up and the Spirit of God leads him. And he goes this way and he goes to the temple and he happens to come on the eighth day just when Jesus Christ would come to the temple for circumcision. And he says, now I've seen the Christ. Let your servant depart in peace. The God that watches over his word. The God that watches over Brother Branham. And he watched over 42 inches. It was so exact. You know, and they pulled the measuring tape out. And, and Brother Biscal had to fall into a creek. And he had to find the shirt that his wife patched up and put in his suitcase. And he didn't know all those things. But God watches over his word. God is watching over our beginning and our ending. God will not forsake you or leave you. Keep your focus. The part of that vision that always gets me, and I, I, I could have read it, but I, I'm just to save time, I'm just explaining it. But when Brother Branham goes, now they'd caught the caribou. They're coming down, and Brother Bud says, now, Brother Branham, according to the vision, somewhere between here and there, you're going to shoot a silver-tipped grizzly bear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, I, I, I don't know, Brother Branham, I've never seen that bear around here. And he would, he would, he would finally he'd start talking to Bud. He said, are you doubting, Bud? Uh, no, I, I'm not. But, you know, he wasn't exactly certain either. And then, and then, you know, they're walking a little further. If you listen to the tape, it's wonderful. I think it's in the message, Spirit of Truth. But he comes, and he's coming down, and, 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 and he's coming, and, and then Brother Bud says, Hey, what's, what's that cow doing? That's not a cow. That's a bear. What? It's a silver tip. Oh, Brother Branham, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. I, I can't shoot him. He says, according to the vision, he had to be closer. Oh, okay, okay. And so they're coming. Uh, and he says, Brother Branham, is that gun big enough? Are you doubting, bud? Listen, all of the things that Brother Branham went through helped his faith. All the things you go through help your faith. 
God has ordained them for you. You, you know that there's something. You Maybe he's made a certain portion of the scripture real to you. Stay with it. Don't leave it. Keep your focus. Don't predetermine how it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. God will bring it to pass. Don't, 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 don't let your faith. God will work it out in just the way it should be. You know, so the, the bear's coming. The bear's coming. And he's saying, Brother Badge, shoot it, shoot it. He says, well, according to the vision, he was only 100 yards away. And so he finally shoots him. And he, and he kept going. And then he fell down. And he says, you got him. He says, I, I got him. And he says, yeah. I didn't expect him to drop in my lap. That was, I think that was Brother Bud's comment. I mean, why did all those things happen? That we might have confidence in the God of this Bible, is the God of this message, is the God of William Branham, is the God of whom we serve here today. We're no different. We're, we, we need to know that he already has it in control. It's greater than just me. It's greater than your mistakes. It's greater than your stumblings. It's greater than all of these things. You read in the Bible, Abraham did this. He lied. God told him not to go to Egypt. He went to Egypt. He told him not to do this. He did this. And Isaac did the same thing. Natural seed. And Paul, we read all of that in the Bible. And, you know, Abraham lied. And he did this. And he did this. But then you go through the Old Testament down through the blood of Jesus. And Paul looks back and he says, Abraham staggered not. What? There was something in Abraham's heart despite his stumblings, despite he cared for the word of God. He, he met much opposition. He was a human being. He was scared like you and I get scared. But he focused on the word of God. Now, my, my time's going. In Genesis 1, it would use the phrase, verse 26, but I won't turn to it, speaks of Elohim, God, the self-existing one. That was an eternal quality. The, the H was something God inserted into Abraham's name, something he inserted into Sarah's name. That, and, and remember, it didn't happen till Genesis 17. That was when they had... The, the covenant was confirmed. The covenant is confirmed when the Holy Ghost comes on you. After that, with the age, with the covenant, with the Spirit of God, you are in Christ and subject to everything He's ever, ever ordained for you. Why do we labor? Brother Bram would say, when the church knows her position, then the rapture will go. There's also another part that says, the enemy also knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she stands for, why do you think he fights us so hard? Why is it so hard to get into the message and to do these things? Because he knows this is life when you catch it. Now, in Genesis 2, he's, it's the Lord God, which is Jehovah. Now, now watch as God comes. Jehovah is, Elohim is the self-existing one. Jehovah is the one who exists with family. In other words, he, he now is opening himself up to bring his family, his attributes with him. You know, it's, it's, it's like once you have kids, you, you couldn't imagine life without them. There's times you could, actually. But uh, 
<laughs> Sorry to say that. <laughs> but you, you, you wouldn't want to if you really consider the big picture. Because there's something about it. Now, that's the same way it is with God. He looks at his children are on earth, no matter how much trouble they cause them. That's my child. That's my, my daughter. That's my son. That's the one I, I planned in the great-great-grandparent. I watched over this. I watched, and they're here. And they're responding to the word. And they're coming. And they're moving. It's just like I had in my mind. I'm working it all out. Now let's just take a couple of scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Peter 1, verse 17. I'm just going to read this. I just want to make this a little bit more real for the time we live in. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of person judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, and from your vain conversation uh, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. How were you redeemed? Because your parents were born in the message? No. no. Because your dad is a preacher or a deacon? No. That, that wasn't it. Only one way. Only one way. Who verily Christ as a lamb without blemish in the spot. Verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world and was manifest in these last times for you. Why did Christ appear on the road to Emmaus? He could have said, you could just believe me or else forget it. No, he wanted to make himself known. Why did he come message after message? Why did he come in this last day and open the book and show us our part, your part, my part? Because he knew the devil would be so great. He knew the wickedness. Oh my, let me just read this real quick. I went back and I inherited so much of of this and uh, uh, let me let me just re, uh, if I can only find it real quick here. He came down and he took upon himself that he might save you who wants to be saved by foreknowledge, being the infinite God. He knowed all things. He saw the Lamb. He slayed the Lamb before the foundation of the world, and he put your name on the Lamb's book of life. Now listen to the next verse, next sentence. And he's seen the deceitfulness of Satan and what he would do, so he put your name there. In other words, when you're in the middle and you're thinking, how am I ever going to make it? Worry not. He says, don't, don't, don't rejoice because the devils are subject or this. He says, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Oh, I'm so glad he thought of me. You know, you, 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 somebody once said, this is like a, a, a puzzle, you know, you have a puzzle and, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, right in the center of the puzzle where the sunbeams are shining, the cloud and the forest and, and the center. I'll tell you what, I'm just glad to be a little corner in the puzzle. I'm, I'm glad I'm in the picture. That's all that I need. Oh, thank God that he thought of me. He saw, he knew that the Antichrist would be so religious, so good, such a fine fellow, such a smart man, that he would deceive the elected if it was possible. Therefore, because it is impossible, and their names were foreordained before the foundation of the world, by election he chose them, and by predestination they know where they are going. Oh, I, I like that. 
I got to take a scripture, Revelation 17. My, I'll just finish with two scriptures and we'll close for today. Revelation 17. Let's just pick it up in verse 6. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs and of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. You know who this was? John. I wondered with great admiration. Natural eyes. And the angel said unto me, why did you marvel? Let me tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw that thou sawest was and is not, shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. You know we're living in the fulfillment of these scriptures? You were living in, and they're all wondering. I'll tell you what, the world is getting set to receive their Messiah. They're getting set to receive their Superman. They're all coming together. Religious powers, political powers, their demon powers all coming together. And the world marvels at it. And here's you and I. How are we ever going to combat that with the next part of the verse? All the world would wonder except those whose names were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. Oh, thank God that we have eyes to see. One more scripture, Revelation 13, real quick. Revelation 13, verse 3. And I saw, oh, I saw one of the heads was wounded to death. Verse 4. They worshiped the dragon. They gave power to the beast. They worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him forty to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all the kindreds and tongues and the nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Except. Except. Those who had a beginning and those who have an end. And the beginning was in the Lamb's book of life, so it says, and it said, whose names were not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Why is the opening of the book so real? Do you actually see your name? No, you don't see your name. Musicians, come, please. Brother Bannon would say it in the Seals book, can I see the name Orman Neville? Or, no, he says, but it's like those animals going to the ark. The book is opened. By faith, I see it. There's a pull inside. I'm drawn to it. I come to it. Oh, it's a marvelous thing. It's, it's the same in the natural. Maybe you do have somebody that passed away. And maybe now you don't, you don't know if you've been left in an inheritance. And you're wondering, do I have an inheritance? Do I have anything? But then you, one day you get a call and a lawyer says, can you come to our office at such and such? We're going to read the will. You know what you do at that moment? You start rejoicing. Why? Because only those who have an inheritance are called to the reading of the will. If something has called you to the message, if something has called you to come to this, you say, thank God there's something for me. By faith it's over there. I see it no matter what I'm going through. It's there. It's real. Let's stand together. It is mine, mine, <laughs> 
Mine, 